0: You are the rock of our salvation. And we thank you for being that rock over the years of our lives. No matter what circumstances we were in, you have always been our rock. And because of that, Lord, just like the psalmist said in 42, Psalm 42, As a deer pants for the brooks of water, so our soul longs for you. In Psalm 40, Talking about the they to wait upon the Lord or renew their strength. And Father, Psalm 40 tells us about the rock of our salvation. You, Lord Jesus, have been our solid rock in all the days of our lives. Even when we didn't know you were there, you were still a rock that we could cling to or grab onto. Lord, now we know you personally, and we thank you. We thank you that even though we were in the miry pit, you drew us up and put our feet on solid rock, and we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we haven't built our, our lives on shifting sand, but on the rock of our salvation, the rock of Jesus Christ, who is the cornerstone, who is the headstone, we thank you, Lord, for being there for us when we knew it and when we didn't. We thank you for being a holy God to teach us holiness and how to become better people on the face of the earth to help your kingdom come to this earth. Thank you. May our lives always bring glory to you. So father today, as we study your word, open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears to what the Holy Spirit has to say to us today. Let us be sensitive to them. and Let's not go in one ear and out the other, but help us to apply it to our life, what we learn from your scriptures. And may you and you alone be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. For those of you just tuned in, this is Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Chirpani. We're glad you're you're there. Uh, get your Bibles out. We're going to 1 John chapter 1, first three verses we're going to look at. Um, Gospel of first, first John 1, 1 through 3. But anyway, for those out there, this is Freedom Church. If you're local, we're at 2810 High Paluxo Road, just a quarter mile west of I-95 uh, on the north side of the road, which puts us in Lantana, because the other side of the road is Boynton Beach, so you can get a general idea where we're at. Well, you know, um, we're glad you're there. Tune in next week; we'll be glad to have you too. If you if you're on our website, freedomchurchpb.org, you can check out our our messages from the past, our list of ministries. You can you can even donate online. Just go to Joe at freedomchurchpb.org. Joe at freedom. FreedomChurchPB.org. And if your bank has Zelly, you know, you can give through Zelly. It helps the church get the gospel out there and to, to support the churches that uh, definitely need support, especially in these trying times. Um, we thank you for all your gifts and offerings over the years. You know, God loves a cheerful giver, and I know that, you know, a lot of us give cheerfully. Because we love the Lord, so anyway, we're going to be looking at John, First John, chapter one, the first three verses. These these verses always captivate me when I read them, because they're so powerful. You get you get the vision of, of what the disciples were 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 doing and what we were handling and what they were seeing, and uh, and it's something that I think maybe the church lost a little bit of its reality today. But these men, you know, and John's writing about things that were happening, you know, and what can I say, he's writing about looking at him, hearing him, talking with him, kissing him, hugging him, you know, and we sometimes lose that reality. That's what I've been praying, you know, in my life. I want that reality. Sometimes the reality of who Jesus is just seems to fade away. And that's why I call this message, Jesus is Real. And it's something that we need to know, and that's something that John was trying to tell us that he's real. You know, I know I probably told you this story before, but a little 16-year-old kid in Belgium showed me this about 12 14 years ago, we went to Belgium on a missions trip, and, um, you know, the the church in Belgium is kind of like post-Christianity, you know, it's like they left Christianity behind, and this was a wake-up call for our little team, it was a wake-up call for them from our little team, and this young kid, 16 years old, would try to commit suicide several times and failed, was brought to us a deliverance team that came to Belgium. And uh, they brought him to us. They didn't know what to do with him. And we laid him down on the couch, and we ministered to him, I think, for a day and a half, and, and just talking with him and preaching to him and, and just doing whatever we need, whatever the Lord told us. And he's laying on the couch, and we're sitting there. Me and uh, Dion are, are eating a sandwich. And uh, the other minister with us, Kathy, was ministering to him. And we're, we're sitting there, and me and Theo's talking like, you know what, we can work in spiritual warfare in the spiritual realm and be eating a sandwich on this side of the little fence. And meanwhile, while we're eating sandwiches and people are ministering to him, he just jumped up, didn't jump up, he just stood up on his, you know, just... Came up off of his butt, you know, at the couch. He never moved from the couch; just sat straight up. That's what I'm, what I'm looking for. And he just said, he just kept saying, "Jesus is real. Jesus is real. Jesus is real." Finally, it got through to him that that this is the truth. That's why I always tell everybody, you know, that when I'm reading the story, David, it isn't a story that David killed Goliath. It isn't a story that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. It wasn't a story that the sun stopped in the sky 23 hours and 40 40 minutes, you know, when Joshua was conquering the Amalekites. It's not, and it's real when the sundown went back 10 degrees and Hezekiah prayed for for life because his life was going to be taken He prayed for more years, and God gave him more years. These things are not stories, they're truth. It's truth. That's why I think Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. When he said something, it's true, you know. He said he's the way, the truth, and the life, it's either true or he's a liar, and he can't be a liar, because you know better, because you met him, and this is what John is saying. And that little kid, Arnold, and he's still in ministry today. This was 14 years ago. He's, he's in his late 20s now. He has a, a, um, a ministry that goes around a skit and play ministries that he uses in different churches in Belgium to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we had to go to his house and correct him because he was into magic. And he had some black magic there that we had to tell him to get rid of. And he did. And that enabled him to look for, you know, it's like you want, instead of watching the, the channels that always have foul language and the F word, you're looking for wholesome channels like maybe Hallmark, the good one, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> they split up, you know. But I'm just saying, you know, he chose to bring his ministry and get rid of the black magic and use the, the good skit part for his, the church that, he's, that he ministers to and goes around. This kid was hit face-to-face with the reality of Jesus Christ. And all he said to us, and I mentioned it to you before if you've been in this church, he said, Him, uh, we asked him, how do you know that? He says, I saw this golden crown, a vision of a golden crown, a beautiful golden crown, and we're talking about Jesus. We're not talking about anybody else. So this is, you know, he said Jesus is real. That's what John's trying to tell us I believe in in this first chapter of First John in the first three verses, and I'm going to read them to you, and then we're going to get into more study. But let's read them. I'm reading from the uh, the New King James, New King James. John trying to drive in the reality to us today, two thousand years later, of who Jesus was. Mm-hmm. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen And heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Why is he writing this? Fourth verse. And these things were written so that your joy might be made full. If you know Jesus, there's joy in your heart. John's trying to tell us here that that this isn't just a product of our imagination. Jesus is not. As a matter of fact, I was listening to David Jeremiah today and he's pretty much on the same thing I'm teaching. Jesus is real. Who is Jesus? Son of God? Son of Mary? Who is he? Well, this is the truth. This is the truth. He's real. He's not a figment of somebody's imagination that thought this, thing, this whole gospel thing up. And if he did, how could he, how could he tie in 365 scriptures that point to one person? You know? So, Jesus is real. He is from the beginning, says chapter one, verse 1. That which was from the beginning. He's from the beginning. The Old Testament tells us different things. That, that, like in Micah 5, 2, but thou, Bethlehem, Euphrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth one that is to be the ruler of Israel, one whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Right there, John started out, just like he started out his gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And the 14th verse of John 1 in the Word of God was made flesh. He's telling you right off the bat, John don't mess around who Jesus is. And right here he's telling you he is from the beginning, from the beginning. He didn't have a start somewhere. He always was. He always was. Now today, The world offers a bunch of imitation stuff. You can get imitation sugar, you can get imitation beef, chicken. You can get all these imitation things, but imitation flowers and everything. But Jesus is real. That's why I'm a Christian today after 47 years ago. I was faced with that fact that Jesus is real. It wasn't some story that somebody made up or some religion that was trying to get uh, all this different, uh, you know, get control over you or money. He is real. He's from the beginning. The apostles are sure of this. He is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. And then the New Testament, and, you know, he, this is the Old Testament ties to the New Testament and it tells us that God's going to be with us someday. In Isaiah chapter four, 7 and verse 14, The Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means you know it. I'll call an calling audience participation here. God with, us. God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. A woman, a virgin woman, is going to have a child, and... He is going to be God with us. She's going to bear a son without any sexual intercourse because the seed is God's. She was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, remember? When you overshadowed, that means there's nothing there. It's just a shadow, that's it. It's him. It's God himself. So he's going to bear a son. In the USA, listen to this. Even in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, it says here, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, and you can look at our country today, the United States of America, we are dwelling in the shadow of death in this country, for the government and for the people even. Uh, people that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, like the USA, upon them shall be a great light. Someday, there's going to be a light in this world that's going to light up even Gentiles, people who lived in darkness. So we're talking about the USA here. We find out in Isaiah Nine six a few verses later, for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. This isn't talking about the United States government, this is talking about God's government. He is real, he's from everlasting. John's telling us in the first verses first sentence of that Bible, he always existed. listen to what Hebrews says, and Paul was um as possibly the writer of Hebrews one eight, but unto us a son the son saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Remember? Remember in the first part of nine six says his name shall be wonderful counselor. Not a wonderful counselor, He shall be wonderful. He shall be a counselor. He will be Almighty God. He will be Everlasting Father, and He will be Prince of Peace. This is talking about the Messiah to come. Since you interpret Scripture by Scripture, you can pull all these things together and and cling on to one person being the King of Kings, the one person that is from everlasting. He's the everlasting Father. You say, oh, how can he be the Father and he's the Son? Well, why did he say to Philip in John chapter 14 and verse 8 and 9? Philip says to Jesus, show us the Father. Well, how can he be the Father and the Son at the same time? And you know what Jesus' answer was to him, right? He said, Philip, have I been with you this long and you don't recognize me? He's the Father. Mighty Father, Everlasting Father, Almighty God, God with us, Prince of Peace. That's His his function. That's why He came to earth, to bring peace between God and man for those who choose to accept it. They heard His voice in verse 1. The voice of God. And you hear God's voice through the Holy Spirit. If you try to if you're a believer and you're close to him, you've heard his voice. You recognize his voice most of the time, you know? Um, the disciples heard his voice, just like you today. They recognized him. They recognized his voice, and so should we. I think that's what when Mary, when Jesus was risen from the dead, and Mary thought the gardener was talking to her. When he said Mary twice, she remembered his sound of his voice. And she turned around and clinged on to him. And that's what John's telling us today. We need to cling on to the Master. We need to cling on to the Savior. We need to hear his voice They heard from him the message. The message was, and it's for you today, that he is the way to heaven. He is the truth that's in this book. And he is the life, eternal life. And we're going to be touching on that in this verse, in these verses. He is, that was the message. He is. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You don't go to heaven because you have a crystal around your neck. You don't even go to heaven if you have a cross around your neck. You go to heaven because you've received him as your Savior. He, they heard his message. They heard the gospel, which is the revelation of who Christ is. You want to know the revelation of who Christ is? Thomas, who denied him in John chapter 20 and verse 28, when Jesus appeared to him on resurrection Sunday evening because he wasn't there in the morning when Jesus appeared to the disciples. I'm sorry, it was eight days later. It was eight days later. Jesus appeared to the apostles on resurrection Sunday in the evening, and Thomas was not there. One week later, eight days later, which makes it one week, we're back on Sunday again. You know, Jesus appears in a room with all the windows and the doors barred shut because they were fearing the Jews and they were fearing the Roman army to come take them away and crucify them. Jesus appears in the room with everything locked down, and he goes right up to Thomas and he says, Thomas, put your fingers in my hand and my side, And be not unbelieving, but believing. And what did Thomas do? A major verse to confront Jehovah's Witnesses. He went like this. He said, my Lord and my God. I can picture him. This is a scripture. This is me. I picture him falling on his knees before the living king. And I picture him saying, my Lord and my God. He didn't have to stick his fingers in his hand. Oh, he saw and he believed. That's the revelation. Jesus Christ is Lord and he's your God should you receive him as your Savior. They heard the good news. What is the good news? There's a lot in the Bible. The good news is for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. But the very next verses aren't so, so, um, so encouraging, because people just take, a lot of people just take the what they like to hear uh, best. But they don't pay attention. They like that verse for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. But, but in the but in the 18th verse, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. You are condemned because you didn't receive Christ as your Savior. That's why Arnold in Belgium was ready to put an end to his life. Why? Because he, w- he the devil was sitting there condemning him and wanted him out of the way, this young believer. But God sent three people from from. Boynton Beach, Florida, to, to Belgium, to to get to Belgium, just the ministers of this kid. He's one of the reasons. There were other success stories there, but I'm just telling you, God brought us all the way. Why, why not a church in the area? Because they're post-Christianity. They forgot all these things that John is trying to tell us. They heard him. They saw him. They touched him. They ate with him. They no doubt hugged him. They no doubt kissed him on the cheek. Hey, they're trying, John's trying to drive home this reality. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, John 1, 1. And now he's telling you in 1 John 1, he says, I saw him, I touched him, I lived with him, I heard him preach, I know the sound of his voice. And then if you go to John 3, uh, the last verses of the Bible, last verse of John chapter 3. Verse 36, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Who who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. Everything rests upon Jesus Christ. Everything. But the world don't want to hear it. The churches are A lot of churches are failing right now, as you well know. And it's because the people have not woken up yet and came to the reality of what John is trying to tell us. and get back to my verses here. John John was trying to wake the church up. And we know we need a wake-up call. I'm telling you, I've been praying this for months. Lord, bring back the reality to me of who you were. Even though I preach every week, I still lose a little bit of the reality. And I want the reality to come back. And it's here. As read Every time I read this, I get, I get confronted with the reality. They, that which they have heard, the voice of God spoke to them. Do you realize that? There was no thunder. He just spoke to them in a soft, plain, human voice. Remember when Moses was hidden into the cleft, cleft of the rock? You know, he was expecting a, a thundering voice, but it wasn't a thundering voice. It was a thundering world. The rocks were cracking because God was walking by. But what happened? Then there was that still, small voice that spoke from behind. This is, Jesus is the still, small voice of God telling you he is the way, He is the truth, and he is the life. And I don't know where you are over the internet here, but you need to know that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to this. Nobody. That means you, me, nobody. President of the United States, Prime Minister of England, nobody comes to the Father except through him. That's the truth of all things. When they heard this, they listened to what he had to say. My question is to all of us here and over the Internet, do you, are you listening what he's trying to say here? John is speaking and writing from the Holy Spirit, and he's saying that which was from the beginning. In other words, it wasn't anybody else but God. The universe just didn't happen. God put it into being. Read John Genesis ch- chapter 1. He put it all into being. He was from the beginning. John the, John the Apostle in John 1 tells us that, he, you know, that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. And you remember, I told you, you know, Genesis, 1, 2, first Genesis 1, verses 1, 2, 3, number 4, 1, God created, verse 1. Verse 2, Holy Spirit hoovered over the face of the waters. Verse 3 of Genesis 1. Then God spoke, let there be night. And who is the word of God? Jesus. You see Father, you see the Holy Spirit, and you see Jesus Christ in the beginning of the scripture. And that's what John's trying to tell us here. He who was from the beginning. And if you, if you went to, to Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning is Reshith. And Reshith in Hebrew means the beginning of time. There was no beginning of time. Be, time began right there when God spoke. That's when time began. And if you go to John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, you know, and then, then the word there is N-R-K, which means um, in the beginning of time, Beyond the beginning of time. Brashith bre- bre- in the Hebrew means, you know, um, Brashith means uh, beginning of time. And in John's gospel, N-R-K for beginning means beyond the beginning of time. See, so John's starting off, you know, in the beginning of his gospel, he was before time began. He's everlasting is what he's saying right here. They listened to what he had to say. You know why? Because they recognized he was from everlasting. They recognized who he was. They had a hard time with it when he was walking with the earth, on the earth. But once the resurrection came, I mean, they're, they, they're, their faith was growing. You know, it started out as a little seed, and then it went into a, a plant, then the branches, and then the fruit. And now we're seeing the fruit in John's first, uh, first epistle. They heard Him, they listened to Him, and they decided to follow Him, and that's where we're, what we need to do. You over the internet and us here today, we need to follow Him. Not say you follow Him, but truly follow Him with your whole heart. That's what He's looking at. You're following Him. They were following Him in the first century, and John's trying to drive it home. They heard him, they followed him, because he was the voice of God. And look at what Luke says as as he's writing in Luke 9, 23. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, Jesus is saying that. If anyone's wishing to come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Daily. It's not just on a one Sunday morning or a, a one evening, you bow your head and say, I believe in you, Jesus. No, it's a following. You're following Him with your whole heart. You're, you're taking up your cross of death to self, and you're following after Jesus. That's what the cross means, death to yourself. But He took it for you. You've got to hear Him. You've got to follow Him. They have seen with their eyes. They have looked upon Him. Still in verse 1. They have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon. They, they were looking at the face of God. Do you realize that? He's real. After, after he came back to life, uh, and you know what? They real, I believe they realized, Jesus, this was truth. This is truth. Jesus is alive. It's not a fairy tale. It's the truth. It's not a story. His reality was being shown to the disciples, and John's trying to tell us today, the the disciples of Christ. The reality of who he was is being shown to you right now through the Word of God. The Word of God. Listen, the reality. He speaks to you, just like he spoke to them through the Word of God. He taught them. He prayed with them. They saw him with their own eyes. They looked upon him. You know, you're looking upon him, you know there's something different about him, but you can't, I don't think they really registered to them that they were looking at God himself. Philip certainly didn't in John chapter 14 that I already shared. Thomas really didn't know it until resurrection uh, Sunday, eight days later. Then he realized, my Lord and my God. He healed them. They saw him heal them and other people, spiritually, physically, emotionally. They saw him with their own eyes. Listen, when he said some of the things he said, can you picture them just with their mouth drawn down, I am the way and the truth and the life, nobody comes to, but, 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 but Jesus, No. They looked upon it. You know what? The Greek word is actually, I got it here somewhere and I'm going to find it, but it means that they just were in awe of him. They're gazing upon him and wonder who else they're saying could tell the wind and the sea to calm and be still and listen to him. Who else could this be? They. Who else could cleanse a leper? It's never been done before, except Naaman. You know that story with Elijah, Elisha, but Elisha never touched him, and he wasn't even a Jew, so he went back to his heathen country, Syria, where he was a general, and he worshiped the living God. He was now a proselyte. He cleansed the leper. Nobody cleansed the leper before. The Jews should have known that. The disciples are gazing upon him. How could you be? Don't touch him, Jesus. He's poison. And Jesus just lays his hands on him like no big deal. Why? Because he was from the beginning. Who else could restore the sight of a man born blind? Who else? They're gazing upon everything that he's done, wondering, trying to figure this out. Who else could raise a man from the dead four days later? Who else? Only one. It would have to be Emmanuel, God, with us. They chose to follow him forever. The point is, will you choose to follow him forever? Not just the first couple weeks or the first couple years, but how about 86 years from now? Well, I've been 47 years, but it's been like this some of the times. Some of the times it's, you know, little, little bumps, sometimes big bumps, especially in those early years. But I knew one thing. I heard what he said and the dreams he gave me and the, the fillings of the Holy Spirit, the revelations from the Holy Spirit, I should say. And that enabled me to hang on and hopefully you too And that's what enabled them to hang on because they were all crucified, not crucified, but martyred for Jesus except John. But he should have been dead anyhow. They boiled him in oil, expected him to die, but he didn't. You know why? God had the book of Revelation to be written yet, and he had not written it. So God just took care of the situation, you know. uh, You know, will you commit to following him forever, not just on Sunday? Not just on Wednesday night, but forever, every day, 24-7, 365.25 days a year, all the days of your life. Their hands handled him. They touched him. They touched Jesus. Wouldn't you love to touch Jesus? Those that he touched, their crooked bones were straightened out, devils fled, epileptics were delivered, eyes were touched and opened. Imagine, Jesus touching you. Well, he did, Christian. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. If you're born again, Jesus touched you. Oh, I get chills just thinking about his birth precious touch. It's hard to fathom. Mary, who kissed her little baby, you hear it in a song, she's kissing the face of God. How many times have you kissed your little baby? A thousand? Ten thousand times? Mary's kissing the face of God ten thousand times. Whoa. 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 It's hard to fathom. It's hard to believe. Someday you're going to see him face to face. And I know you love your parents and everybody else that's in heaven and your spouse, but I'll bet you first thing you gravitate to Jesus, because you wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for him. His touch is something you'll never forget. And that's why I'm here 47 years later, and that's why a lot of people here are are uh, older than me and the Lord. That's why they're still here. The disciples heard him. His touch was hard for them to fathom. They, it says here that they looked upon him. They saw him every day They knew how he ate. They knew if he was left-handed or right-handed. They knew if he had a beard or didn't. They knew if he liked hats or he didn't like hats. I don't know. know. They knew what kind of sandals he liked. You know, they knew him. They saw him. They walked with him, and they watched him do mighty miracles. They were looking upon the one who is from everlasting, the one who was from the beginning. And he touched them. And because he touched them, and because he touched you, he shall be in your heart forever. Something you will never forget. And now you serve him. He proved he is the word of life to them. and still in verse 1 here, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. He is the word of life. He came to the earth to communicate the word of life to us. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Eternal life is available to everyone who would choose him you know there's some people and you've you've heard some of them you've got people in this world like Josh McDowell Frank Morrison you got uh, Lee Strobel all these guys set out to disprove Jesus Lee Strobel he wrote a case for Christ a case for faith a case for Jesus a case for for Christianity and a whole bunch of other books. He was a journalist, the Chicago Tribune. And he set out to prove the gospel was, was a lie and a fairy tale, and he ended up a Christian, writing over 150 books. Anybody that starts out with a true heart trying to find out who Jesus is, they will find him. Jesus promises you that. Anyone who seeks me with their whole heart, they will find me. Josh McDowell, oh, he's the one who wrote 150 books. I'm sorry. Josh McDowell, I've read a lot of his stuff. I used a lot of his stuff into my preachings over the years. He wrote Evidence That Demands a Verdict. He wrote the new evidence that demand of, uh, demands, of, demands a verdict. Those books are this thick, both of them. The new evidence was even more than the first evidence. Listen, these guys are still alive today. Frank Morrison, he wrote the book. It's called Who Moved the Stone. He set out that this proof Jesus existed. And guess what he is today? A Christian. He's one of the best books I've ever read. It's in the boxes in the back there. You'll find one of them books right back there. The you know uh, Who Moved the Stone. I was so moved by reading that book, it's an easy read. I sent it to my sister in Long Island. I'm talking forty some years ago. That's a He's the word of life. He's real. John is trying to drive that home, years after he wrote the gospel. He alone is eternal life. Jesus said that right from his own lips. There's one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, not Mohammed, not Buddha, not Allah, Not Harry Krishna. Jesus Christ is Lord. You might as well do it now because you're going to do it later. Do it with a whole heart. Because if you don't use your whole heart, you might as well not do it at all. Because God doesn't care if you're beautiful or ugly. He don't care if you're rich or poor. He don't care if you're fat or skinny. He doesn't care if you have dandruff or don't. He cares about your heart. And that's it. And you do it with your whole heart. Nothing else. They bore witness to this life in verse 2, for the life was manifested. They knew that eternal life was manifested right before their eyes. They were looking at eternal life. And we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you the eternal life, which was with the Father and is now manifested to us. Manifested. The Greek word is plenero, which means to render apparent. Render apparent. John is saying the eternal life was made visible to them, and it should be made visible to us. Eternal life rests in the visibility of you knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This reality is sure. John is sure Jesus is the eternal life. The apostles are sure. Paul was sure. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you think this is a game that God's playing with the world. This is for sure. Are you willing to repent? Not sorrow, but repent. And the church gets this confused, but it's defined in 2 Corinthians by the Apostle Paul in chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. This is what he Paul's going to talk about, sorrow versus repentance. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow you sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly, listen godly sorrow works repentance to salvation. Godly sorrow, not sorrow, godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, and that's the difference between between Judas and, and Peter. Judas was sorry he betrayed Jesus, but he wasn't repentant, and it didn't lead him to salvation because the Bible's very clear. Everybody, I've been asked many times over here, is Judas in hell or heaven? Well, he's in hell. Jesus said, the man that betrays me, it would be better if he wasn't even born. I can't picture God saying that somebody went to heaven, and there's other passages that will back that up. So interpret scripture by scripture and you'll find more, more passages on that. Listen, godly sorrow works repentance. If you're sorrow, you'll repent. That means you turn around, you won't do it again. You'll, you'll change your lifestyle and unto salvation. Who else could this guy be? No one ever did the things that Jesus did. You know what Jesus told them when the Jews confronted them? To, who, 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 whose authority you do this stuff? And Jesus said, listen, you search the scriptures, and in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they that bear witness of me. These scriptures bear witness of Jesus, just as I taught you Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. God the Father created, Holy Spirit hoovered over the face of the water, then God spoke, let there be light. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, read right the first three verses of the Bible. People miss it because they're trying to disprove God without a, a pure heart and trying to do it right and do it with a pure heart. Who else could he be? He did these things. Jesus assures them that the Scripture testifies to His coming. And that's the way I started this message about Bethlehem. Jesus wasn't born in Bethlehem. He always was. He was born in flesh in Bethlehem. Actually, Hebrews 10.5 tells us that a body was prepared for Him. God had this plan from the very beginning. He is the eternal life. We see that in John chapter 2 verse 25. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. God given us eternal life. You can see it in 1 John, John 5, too. He is the true God and eternal life. You can see it in John 2.23. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. They were looking at eternal life right there in his face. He was manifested us for two reasons. Number one, is that you would have fellowship with the disciples, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And, number two, that your joy might be made full in verse 4, which I read earlier. If you deny the Son of God, you will be denying yourself eternal life. They heard him, they touched him, they heard him, and his voice is undeniable. When you hear him, it's undeniable. And when you know that it's undeniable, then you better follow it. They touched him, he blessed them by touching them with life and eternal life. They seen him, and if you see Jesus, it's unforgettable. They gazed at him with a purpose, as the Greek. They gazed at him with a purpose. Trying to figure out who he was. But after he rose from the dead, they knew who he was. They ate with him. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he with me. Have dinner with Jesus. When they, you know, the Bible doesn't say this, but they kissed him. I could just picture them. If Judas betrayed him with a kiss, don't you think kissing would be a common, common thing to do when you run into the Messiah or somebody you love? They kissed him. They talked with him. And here, the two on the road to Emmaus in Luke twenty-four said, "When he disappeared from their sight, didn't our hearts burn within us when he spoke?" Does your heart burn within you when you read His Word or when He speaks to you? He wa- they walked with Him seven miles. What a blessing to walk seven miles with Jesus, but you've been walking with God for 40 years or two years. What a blessing it is. Don't forget who Jesus is. I'm going to run through a few other things and we are done. You know the famous question, but who do you say that I am? John, the apostle we're talking about here, says he's a man. Oh, I'm sorry, John John the Baptist. John says that he's a man. He who comes after me, who is preferred before me, for he was before me. He's a man. John's telling you, he's a man. He's also, as he saw the Spirit descend on him, so. He saw that he is the Son of God and even told him. He said in verse 34 of John 1, And I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. So John the Baptist telling you he's the Son of God, but yet he's a man. And he saw the Holy Spirit descend upon him. Andrew. Andrew says in in John chapter 1 verse 38 and 41, he said he's a teacher. And then... Listen to verse 41. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. So Andrew, Peter's brother, is saying he's the Messiah. Then we have Philip, who said to Jesus, You know, um, Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him whom... Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph and Philip says he was the prophet Moses told us about in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 18 and 19 remember before Moses left he said he said um, he said this he said after me will come another prophet and you should hear him You better listen to him because you will lose your soul. He's talking about the Messiah coming. And you can find that also in Acts chapter 3, verse 22. So Philip's saying he's the prophet that that was written about. He's also the son of Joseph and yet the son of Mary. Son of Joseph of Nazareth. Adopted son, I might add, because he's really the son of God. Nathanael says he's the king of Israel. He, is the great, he will do great things, greater in quantity, greater in quality. Nathanael likens him to the ladder in Genesis chapter 28 where the angels descended and ascended upon the ladder. Well, Jesus is that ladder that leads to heaven. That's what Nathanael is saying. Peter says, You are the Christ, the Son of God. The son of the living God, I might add it. So, you, who do you say he is? Peter, James, Andrew, Phillips, Nathaniel, and John, the apostle, is telling you they heard him, they spoke with him, they ate with him, they touched him, they handled him, they even kissed him. They know who he is, and they are proclaiming it to us. And that's why in the third verse he goes like this. And which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. This is twice in two, three verses. He wants you to know. He's driving it home again. We have seen and heard. We declare to you who he is. That you may have fellowship with us, the apostles that are gone, and fellowship with each other today and with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, so that your joy would be made full. You want it made full. So if you want joy in your life, it comes this way in Jesus. In Jesus. You want joy? Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It won't be, you won't be laughing all the time. Laughter is one thing. Joy is in your heart. So let's pray. Any of you that need Jesus out there, please do so, and then send me an email, joe at freedomchurchpb.org, so I know that that uh, there's new people in the kingdom and we can rejoice with the angels over your salvation. Just receive him as your savior. Admit that you're a sinner. Repent of that sins means turn around and go the other direction. It's a lifestyle. Christianity is a lifestyle. It's not just a one statement thing where you say oh, a prayer. No, it's a lifestyle. And the Holy Spirit will help you with that life. So do it with all your heart because that's what God wants. Father God, today we thank you and praise you, Lord. Because you are God. You are the Lord who was and is and is to come. And we thank you, Lord. May the reality of the message today sink into our beings as to who you really are. And may we walk with you. May we talk with you. May we handle you. May we touch you. May we kiss you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you all.